is the conqueror. No, I'm Alexander. He's no Alexander. I'm the best ever. There's never right. been anybody that's right. I'm Sonny Liston. I'm Jack Dempsey. There's no one like me. I'm from their club. There's no one that can match me. My style is impetuous. My defense is impregnable. And I'm just ferocious. I want your heart. I want to eat your children. It was just banter. Stay off the weed. And England win on penalties. History in itself. You know, I think it's a great city. I think they got the best organization in the NBA. But they do have some big old wins. I'm here with the winner, Derek Lewis. Derek, why don't you take your pants off? Balls are fun. I understand. Come on, take it quickly, Reggie! Yes, good match. No money's in the fucking reserves. Listen, I ain't gonna forget about this by the time we get by the way. Hello and welcome to episode 193 of the Spitballing Pod. I'm Luke Byron, joined as always by Tom Kennett and Jack Harper. Two Mr. Reliables. The shame the same can't be said for Alex, who once again is missing. So who knows what he's up to? We'll let him explain if he's back next week, but you never can tell with him. We've got some news of the week. We've got the Premier League to get into. We just had the opening weekend to start to uh, make a mockery of all of our picks from last week. <laughs> then we're going to get into the worst cup sets that we've personally experienced. And if we have time, we'll get into some awful refereeing decisions. And we'll link them into some other sport that's gone across the weekend. So, news of the week, not a lot, but a lot has happened in the headlines that we do have, if that makes any sense. So, we were just talking about a live stream then, and Facebook blocked a live stream of an ill Frenchman who wanted to broadcast his own death for those interested. I mean, how gruesome is his death? I mean, to be blocked, surely it has to be fairly gruesome. Is that, this reminds me of seemerot.com. Do, do you remember that from when yeah, you were in school? I do, but it seems like this book has like put the advance notice out. Like yeah. it's gonna <laughs> it's gonna be a big Saturday chap, so I'll get it in the in between the outbreaks of X Factor, so don't worry if you're gonna miss anything. <laughs> <laughs> so he must have really seen this coming or he was clinging on like I'll save this for Saturday. We need them viewers. But no, Facebook said no. So some of the things you've said on Facebook, you'd think this must have been quite bad. I don't know what he was ill with. Yeah, because I've seen people die on Facebook where it just has that banner saying this is sensitive content. Like, and it's just a guy being set on fire or a guy being There's shot an alarming amount of Americans that have been shot while live on Facebook. Yeah, definitely. It is ironic because often I scroll through Facebook and wish I would die. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, the next headline... Parents are asked to pay 15,000 yen after their son pooed in a swimming pool. <laughs> that translates to around 1,700 pounds. Mm, they must really not like poo in swimming pools over there. I reckon, I reckon if you shat in a swimming pool, you'd be in a similar sort of trouble over here, I reckon. That'd be wouldn't shit be far in the swimming pools. Yeah, it wouldn't be I, far off. I reckon over here, you'd probably get away with it. You've you seen some foul I've seen some of yours. I've seen nothing people are lying enough to go swimming with me anyway as it is. But, <laughs> but no, float on top of the water, that would be. Like oil. Geo 1 would be like a Chernobyl zone. <laughs> <if you run. laughs> 
I think I've told the story in it before that uh, when I was younger at GL1, I had my own little Final Destination moment where walking across the bottom and uh, got my toe stuck in one of them little drains mm. and it ripped me all toenail off. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. To- right, see, toenails and teeth can't be dealing with any of that. I saw, I saw that meme <laughs> of someone cutting their tooth with a pair of nail clippers <laughs> yeah. and oh, sticking what? it in. And then Joe and Troy put this into you. Yeah, and then sticking it in ice cream afterwards. And <laughs> I can't get that image out of my head still. Like, whenever I get it, I get, like, sweats. I just feel sick. That's like, like me with that, that trip of, those trypophobia images. Crikey me. Yeah, no thanks. I just can't deal with it. <laughs> um... Takeaway creates two stone burger containing 30,000 calories. It's free if you can eat it in an hour. 30,000 calories. <laughs> sure that would just two, you. You'd have two stones. Sounds like more to me than 30,000 calories. Well, I yeah, think if you stone. told me 30,000 calories, I could maybe be charmed. The two stone thing is what's making or crikey me. <sighs> but the worst thing with them is all the replies you get, like people tag their mate, like, easy this. It's, this is yeah. not easy, is it? <laughs> People are watching episode of Man vs. Food. I could do that. I could do that easy. It's like this bloke does it for a living. Yeah, he's struggling. You're it's easy on life and death with this burger. You're not taking it. Yeah. Down. Like Man vs. Food always used to fascinate me because they would eat wings that were so hot you needed gloves, but you then yeah. put it in your mouth and then swallow it. So where's the logic here? There was one, there was one I saw recently and you had to eat like a sandwich, which was nothing. And then it was like a two foot milkshake made with like <laughs> seven different ice creams or whatever. Oh he my just God. basically chose, I think it was seven, seven scoops and then whatever else goes in. He just chose the pure vanilla. This person went the chocolate and he was like, what are you doing? That's going to make you feel so sick, so much yeah. quicker. He actually did it. But as I said, he does do that for a living. So, <laughs> um, He's a Spurs fan, though, so that's not ideal. That is a mark against him. Yeah, we've got um, some more snake stories here, and uh, this isn't carrying on talking about Alex. Um, <laughs> teen, teen bitten on the penis by snake while sitting on the toilet in Thailand. Oh. Yeah, I, I, I can kind of believe that as well, because <laughs> I never looked down. There's been a few times with spiders coming out, and I've had, like, absolute panic attacks. I suppose my brother was scared to shit after watching the the second Harry Potter because with them spiders being everywhere, he was convinced they were going to be in the toilet. (laughs) Interesting takeaway from that film. Yeah, I didn't want to shower initially after Ghostbusters. One comes out of the shower head, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. But nothing was worse to me than that, that film, The Witches. The most terrifying film ever made. The Witches, <laughs> is that is that the one where they turn all the kids into mice? Yeah, and the so kid's ha- name's Luke to make it worse. Yeah, and there's the Grand High Witch. I just thought like... <laughs> They're well, remaking could... that, the sadists. Yeah, I saw that. <laughs> I had it on audiobook as a kid, I used to love listening to that. And then um, was, didn't that sorry. kid like drink it and he only half turned into a mouse and he could still talk? I actually... <laughs> I actually don't think I, you know what they used to say with like the paranormal activity. I don't think I made it through the film. I think it was too much. <laughs> oh my god! Um, daughter cuts off mother's head with knife and scissors, then pulls out the back, 
pulls it out of the bag at a party to kiss it in front of family friend. This was in England as well, by the way. Oh no! So I was gearing up for that only in America. <laughs> no, no, it. this was this was in England. Oh God! She said like, "Are you not entertained?" Or something when she did it. <laughs> <laughs> um, Keep you up, this. <laughs> woman who sawed off own hand is found guilty of fraud. Saw there, she's Slovenian, and yeah. she must have thought at the start that oh, this is a great idea, but like, nothing could go wrong. Fail safe. Because I was thinking, like, would I chop my hand off for a million pounds? And I was edging towards the yes camp more than the no <laughs> camp. Blimey. I don't think I would. And I would I would love a million pounds, but I'm not sure my hand's worth it. I would back myself. that he gave me a million pounds, I could, I could turn that into enough money to make a decent prosthetic. I'm <laughs> talking about a robot hand, so you're not even setting the, the bar very high. <laughs> Well, you just want, like, Captain Hook. Now I'm talking. <laughs> now I'm talking like Luke Skywalker kind of. <laughs> like it's a real hand because they don't have the special effects, so they just close a little flap on it and make it a hand. Um. Finally, uh, schoolgirl pregnant by ten-year-old boy is looking for sponsors for her baby. Do we know how old she is? Uh, she's thirteen, I believe. Oh, no, get get on you, lad. No. <laughs> Her mum's around, also terminally ill, so there's a lot going on there. We got ourselves a cougar. Yeah. <laughs> oh, poor for the dust. Not even like sponsors in the in got the ourselves way, a like, camera, Alcoholics like, Anonymous. That is slipped under the radar. There. What, <laughs> what do you say? Cougar. <laughs> yeah, we've got a cougar on our hands. She's got a ten-year-old. This is yeah. low. This is a low-brow pod. I'm not 13, 13 to ten in kids' ages. That probably is like cougar ten. I think it is. That's significant. That's significant. How's he got? How's he got swimmers at the age of ten? <laughs> I thought this, the sponsors thing also is like she's putting things on like TikTok for people to literally like sponsor TikToks and things like that for her baby. It's not like please help me raise the baby. She's fully and people are said to be disgusted that she hashtagged pregnant at thirteen. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Tell how it is, I suppose. Did you ever do any sponsored stuff at school? I mean, we had to do... Um, I'm relieved. Primary school. <laughs> we did a um, sponsored bounce. They brought a bouncy castle into primary school. And then someone in the year above essentially was tasked with watching you and counting how many times you bounced for... <laughs> what the hell? ...to give back to your sponsors. Um Mine was always significantly less than most others, which amused me. So I was convinced the bloke who was counting mine was uh, just not counting properly. Is that in for you? It's the agenda against Byron. Well, my brothers had come back with like three figures in two minutes, and I was pushing about 40. (laughs) Jesus. Three figures in two minutes? That's a lot of bouncing. Well, the thing is, it wasn't like, you know, bouncy castles where you get some that are like properly done up, and you get the other ones that, are like they're inflated enough to be classed inflated technically, but you're not really getting much bounce out of them. They're just kind of there. This was one of them as well, so it was awful. But it was a yearly thing at the school. It's like one of those ones where if you do one of those bum bounces, you like lands on your ass and you hit the floor and it like breaks yeah. your fucking spine. You, yeah. The the way they're sold is that it's like a trampoline in the shape of a castle, when really you're not getting much bounce at all in a bouncy castle. No. No. Just get a bigger trampoline with some walls on there. 
I did love when we went on that thing in year seven, like PGR. There was that little uh, like basketball game with the trampolines. That slam ball, is it called? Yeah. Didn't that used to be on Nickelodeon? Have like all channels there? Probably. I know in America they did try having like basketball and trampolines a sport. People just get like nailed in midair like they're playing. That was great for us. It was. It was was on trouble. Yeah. What what channel that was? It was an actual. Didn't they use roller jam on there as well? (laughs) Potentially, but the the sport that I'm remembering is it was a normal basketball court, and then they just had trampolines built into the floor strategically across the court. Is it, am I thinking the right thing? I know. Yeah, I think yeah, we're yeah. thinking of the same thing, but the thing at PGL obviously wasn't that. It was essentially yeah, not, not a trampoline that, yeah. split off into zones and you had to chuck the ball into yeah, whoever was, was opposite you's thing, but a little thing about Yeah, yeah. I never really got with those things. Uh, it was always like make a raft out of like milk cartons or something as if that oh, was everything you were going to have to do. Yeah. Yeah. Seamworthy. Like... Seamworthy. And then, you know, like... You would always get the really kind of sporty kids in one group, and you know they would make a quality raft. <laughs> and you get all the shit people in one group, and you just know that as soon as that baby goes in the water, it's falling apart. You are driftwood. And you took great, great pleasure in like splashing them when they fell in. Did you do Duke of Edinburgh at school? I think I did, yeah, I did bronze. Yeah, I, I did as well. Um, yeah. As I've always said on there before, I was seemingly the only one that took the no phones allowed thing. Seriously, and a kid who's in our group played Dizzy Rascal Fix Up Look Sharp for the 48 hours that we were walking. <laughs> Christ alive. <laughs> Who was that? Um, we're naming I names. Get a kid's point. surname. He was in your tutor, though. Tell you after. Yeah. Tell me the name wrong. Yeah. Um, anyway, that is the news of the week. So. If anyone does want to sponsor this kid, I, I guess look for the hashtag 13 and pregnant and uh, you can go there. We'll or, take 10% of the profits. Or we create it at home yourselves. Like it. With a 13-year-old, crikey. <laughs> um, so we said we'll recap the Premier League. We'll go through the games, obviously. Chelsea haven't played yet. They're going to play later tonight, so we'll let Jack get away for that. We haven't had United. We haven't had City. So only really the two big hitters TK have played this weekend it's not uh, for everyone no we'll go through the games in the order that, of which they happen so we'll start with Arsenal it's like I've set it up purposely when we do that but wow. trust me some of these games we don't really want to be talking about for too long as <laughs> I said the Jack before we started um, Arsenal then 3-0 win away at Fulham to kick off the season Jack I oh, will go to you first yeah. Williams debut sensational <laughs> I knew it would be like <laughs> three assists. When you, when you come down from a team like Chelsea, you're going to shine in an Arsenal team. <laughs> Where so, are Chelsea in the league? <laughs> I saw a meme just before I came on about Arsenal at top of the league, boys. It's Homer Simpson in his chair when they all get new chairs at work. It worked. And it's <laughs> like, like was, yeah, first game of the season. It's like, yeah. There was a kid we went to school with in sixth form who tagged all the Liverpool fans in a post at the table after about three games of the season, saying, this is our <laughs> year, boys, go on. <laughs> Would that have been the Gerard Slip year, TK, or before that? No, 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 this is well before that. No, we weren't, even at, school. We weren't even at school then. No, 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 this was, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> Early Brendan? Um, no, no, before that, I'm pretty sure it was the Aquilani year. I could be wrong. <laughs> was, it, was it that? Was, it, was that too far gone? Yeah, I'm not sure, but 
I don't even think it was within three games. I think it was literally like on the eve of the season he said it. And I think we got like we drew the first <laughs> game or lost or something. <laughs> yes. I think one of the comments on there as well is like a United fan obviously was ridiculing him, obviously, as you as you should. And uh I think he said, Come on, you know we're a threat or something, and we obviously had a <laughs> standardly pissed boy. <laughs> <laughs> There used to be so many kids like that in school, like the shit fans that that supported the team that you supported. Yeah, so you felt like you kind of had to try and be nice to them, but then they'd come out with like wildly outlandish claims, like we'd win the World Cup or something like that. (laughs) And you've got to try and talk talk them down to the point where we're not in the World Cup. And it's like, yeah, we are. I've said collectively, I think we went to school with the worst group of Liverpool fans that you could yeah. probably find anywhere. I'd probably I'd probably agree. And the only problem is as well that the, the only kid in my year that supported Chelsea other than myself isn't someone that you, you just didn't want to hang around with him. Do you know what there I mean? There you go. So I was like, <laughs> oh, sorry if you're listening, but <laughs> sorry, not sorry. But, um, it wasn't popular enough. You can't sit here. It was like very lonely life being a Chelsea fan at school because you'd get all the battering from all United and Arsenal and Liverpool fans. Mm-hmm. And then when it was time to gloat, you just got no opportunity. <laughs> just a smile to yourself. Yeah. I've said before, well, plenty of times, isn't it? Arsenal won the FA Cup in 2005, decided to go the whole way through school and then didn't win another trophy until after we'd finished. You look at that <laughs> stat with our FA Cups in how many years. Couldn't they just have one of them in that time? <laughs> um, so if we go back to Arsenal Fulham then, so William received man of the match from Arsenal um, Gabriel got it on the broadcast which I did think was generous of them mm. uh, William three assists on his debut the last player to do that was Henrik Mkhitaryan who also got three assists on his Arsenal <laughs> debut so good that was also Aubameyang's debut so good day that was um, but three assists he was very good it looks like with Arsenal's transfer business, and we won't go over it too much because we've done it the last couple of weeks, but to me it seems Arsenal wanted a creative player. That's probably what they're deeming William as in, in that regard because he was put out wide, but he was playing more central. And then that was allowing Bellerin to go forwards more. And then we also wanted a defender, got him in early. So I think the deals now are the ones that are going to be tougher to do. So that's why they're waiting. But I don't think any Arsenal fan really expected William to come in like that. I was actually wasn't sure if he'd start. But comes in like that. Fulham did essentially bend over and say, come on, how many goals do you want? Hmm. Yeah, that's exactly what I got when I was watching the game. I just kind of thought, I'm never going to hear the end of this because of the three <laughs> William assists. But it was almost like you could have had 10. Like you were walking through their defence. Like, well, they weren't even there. Something to take note of is the last time we played them, obviously the last time we were in the Premier League, Unai Emery was in charge. And as I've said, in hindsight, there were Arsenal fans there that day singing, we've got our Arsenal back, which is <laughs> horrific. But on that game, uh, we conceded 21 shots on target to Fulham that, that, that week. Good um, uh, This time around, they had two. Mm. That's definitely what Arteta has brought. He's brought that kind of grit organisation and you just look a lot more solid well, Rob Holden started El Nenny started um, I thought it showed and we saw it in the FA Cup final as well that um, 
it shows we now have a system which can go some way to hide in frailties in certain individuals. Mm. Because when you played, well, and then he started the game, which essentially cost us our last time we got close to the Champions League, where we faced off against Palace at home and he started with Rob holding at the back and he started with Anani in the midfield. And we got battered by Zaha that day. But this system, you can play those two. And as long as you're not having 11 no-hopers in there, then it does go some way to covering up the inabilities of them because you put the right people alongside them. I think that's the clever management as well, isn't it? Because you had Unai Emery playing a system that, that like, he was almost like he's trying to personally highlight the weaknesses in your team. <laughs> he's and, in the opening press conference said, I'd rather win um, 5-4 than 1-0. And it was like, crikey. I can understand the conceding four. We're never scoring five. Yeah. <laughs> so, Gabrielle also started. Um, Saliba was the one we expected to start out of the two of them. Uh, Arteta said afterwards that he didn't play much football last season and he's such a talented player that he wants to ensure that he's uh, bedded in properly rather than chuck straight in there. I do think if David Louise was there, then maybe you would have seen both. But... Gabriel came in and hadn't played a competitive game in six months. And bar the one little moment at the start, which I'm sure some rival fans were licking their lips at, where mm-hmm. he left the ball when Leno was there, I thought he had a pretty flawless game. Yeah, and it did well to recover from that because a lot of people would get shaken by it on their debut. So, yeah. good sign. It, it's just going to be a language thing, I think, there. Like, there's no understanding. Like, he doesn't speak a word of English, or he didn't when he signed. Um, and there's time as well, isn't it? Time to yeah. understand what what people do and don't. So, so him him Leno shouting could quite as easily have meant mine to him as him saying yeah, get rid of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was like Fulham so, had never been away, though, by the way. Because that first, it was like Fulham had never been away. Yeah, because they they played some all right stuff. I was thinking, okay, they're doing all right here. And then as soon as you played that one ball and that went straight through like Tim Tim Ream's legs, effectively, I was like, okay, <laughs> here we are. Well, we had about three cracks at it before Lacazette eventually puts it in the net. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a I do there. think the one assist, assist is kind there. Yeah, yeah, yeah but <laughs> yeah, okay, very. we don't argue with that. Um, <laughs> I've got it on Sky Sports as two assists, so. Uh, well, I'm fantasy not, not league credits him for three, so we'll take that. <laughs> Blimey. I was. Fulham, it looked like. I mean, they had the worst record defensively in the league last time they were there, didn't they? And a lot of they yeah. just hadn't learned their lesson at all. No, no. I know they they had Ariola there, who I believe was on the bench because he'd only come into the country like a night or so before. But we had the scramble for the first goal. Keeper was nutmegged on the second goal from a header from the corner. And the third goal was, it was just a great team goal. Mm. Hector's a big man. He was getting bullied as well. If you can't physically do your part then I'm not really sure what you're bringing to the table so he's going to have to uh, sort of shape up as well I asked at the start didn't I and he is ex-Chelsea isn't he Hector one of the Mm. kind of he's been loaned out like seven times or whatever yeah never actually played for the club is he loaned out now or is it permanent it's permanent he got got sold a while ago yeah Um, he looked looked rough yeah yeah. but it, it was like you see some players in the league where so I'm trying to think of a player without without being harsh on them but you look at say well, what Wolves are on now Willie Bolly and I'm not saying he's a bad defender but he uses his physicality in an educated way whereas Hector seemed to think look if I just push him about a bit then that's going to be 
that's me doing my job here. The corner, he jumped and turned away from the ball. I mean, I don't even know how he ended up at Chelsea. They signed him from Reading. Yeah, it and was he'd weird. been on loan at Cheltenham, and it'd been it'd been a good centre half, but a good League Two centre half is a bit different to getting signed for Chelsea. Yeah. <laughs> One of them where you're on football manager and you've got two million left in your budget, so you have a quick look at the transfer list. He, he could he could help me with my homegrown quota, or he could do a little job for me. On paper, well, that... he should because he's big and he's quick and he's all right on the ball. But it, I don't know against Arsenal, it's, he looked terrible. Physically, Gabriel looked like got a bullet. tank. Seeing yeah, him alongside Arteta, especially when. Uh, he kind of shook his hand on the way off. Mm. He looks massive. I think I know he's six three, but he he looked like a big six three. If that mm. makes any sense, because when you basketball's on at the moment, so you see six three, and he doesn't seem that big to you until you see him on a football field. Mm. Yeah, yeah. And he looked like the unit because there's only so many Vermarlins that you can have where you can get away with them being small. And so yeah, his his goes some way. He looked assured on the ball. He actually started to move from the back. So it looks like someone being bought for a purpose rather than being bought and trying to mould them to fit the purpose, which is what we've seen with some other clubs. I think the challenges for Arsenal this season aren't going to come with teams like Fulham because they will just let you walk through it some, you, you in, say that, in some though, occasions. We only got like, three points away from home against teams in the bottom half of the league last year. But, no, but is it, what I'm mm. thinking more of is your Aston Villas, your Crystal Palaces, the ones that either can really... Set it's up tough, a defensive, yeah, yeah, I get, I get what you're saying, yeah. Whereas Fulham literally just bent over that game. Whereas you kind of tough, no how teams mid table in below that, like Burners. That's where Arsenal come because I, I reckon you'll nick a few points off the top six, uh, definitely this season. And I reckon from the way Arteta's going, from what I saw, albeit the dodgy red card and the two bad injuries to Chelsea, it was an even wow. game. Um, so I think it, it, I'd be excited to be an Arsenal fan like William and half down played it obviously you never want to see a player go to a rival we were um, owed he will always be a good player he's just not quite what we wanted I think he got overshone by Hazard so much we were like well why can't you do what he's doing and he kind of got the gloss taken off his performances for that um, we know he's a good player we know he always will be I think he'll bring something to that Arsenal team, that experience up top that you don't have. So like someone to feed Aubameyang and not be like a Pepe where you try and do too many step overs or you don't track back. He knows where to be and he knows how to create an attack quite well. But I also sustain my opinion that halfway through the season, you will see a drop off and it will frustrate you. It's going to be interesting to see how Pepe's managed because I think 95% 95% of fans would be clamouring for him to start. Aubameyang seems to, as weird as it is to say, have cemented his place on the left because of the success he's having there rather than through the middle. So mm. I think the links aren't going away for a creative midfielder. So whether we get one or not, Awar, I think, was one to two on Sky Bet earlier to sign for Arsenal, but that's probably just because the news of Torreira leaving to come out today on a two-year loan deal. So there we go. Um, Bloody hell. I guess this is why... to buy for 18 million. Corky me. Mm. Mm. But I think the midfield links are there so you can see the idea of what's trying to be done and then it may be that we go to a four and then Arteta did kind of indicate that he sees William as playing centrally and that's where he played in the last pre-season friendly we had. So it may have just been fitting the, the players to suit a system that he wanted to have for 
Saturday's game and he'll change it once he has kind of his squad. But 3 0, it's the last, I can't remember the last time I enjoyed watching Arsenal play because the games against City, the games against Chelsea, they weren't enjoyable. <laughs> so that was the, the first time I can remember enjoying his playing, probably since a game in the Europa League last year that I went to with Troy, where Martinelli scored early, Tierney made his European debut for us. Other than that, I don't think I remember enjoying a game that we played. So <laughs> it was nice to be able to sit back at 2-0 and not feel like we're backing off 10 yards and you know what's going to happen here. Yeah, yeah. Because if they scored that early goal, it would have been a very different game. Could have been. Because the Brighton game last year, we said, didn't we, not to go over too much old ground, but we said it's a part of the issue with Arsenal is they allow these teams to believe they have a chance. Yeah, 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 exactly. And they kind of put pay to that quite quickly. So, Alneni, happy to have him in the squad, but I don't really want him starting in the middle of uh, midfield for too much longer. No, he, he, he did all right, didn't he? But I think people saying that he did well are probably ignoring him. Fulham he, weren't great. He's by no means a terrible player. Like we've had some terrible players, and I don't put him in that bracket. But he's just—you don't want him starting. You want him playing in the Europa League, coming on as a sub, or when you rotate players, yeah, you maybe yeah, just exactly. drop one out. So there we go. Um, next up, we had Crystal Palace Southampton, which was on at three o'clock. Now that we've had the deal, so all of the games are televised at the moment. Uh, Zaha scored his 50th league goal for the club, which shocked me because you feel like he's got more. Partly, I know TK, you're not his biggest fan. Um, yeah, I don't feel but, like he's got more. But yeah, most people seem to. <laughs> yeah. Um, his first goal in 21 games, that was. That can't be. Now he scored against us back in the last season. He scored the absolute rocket. Well, I got this off ESPN, so. No, he's. We, ESPN so we, and Plagia. I think it was like two two or three games before the end of the season he scored an absolute thunderbolt that does sound against Kepa. Very right. Maybe was he that hadn't... Stamford Bridge? Maybe it was his no. first home game? No, it was a, we were away so it would have been a home. I think... <laughs> I've got no clue what I've... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> it's been and doing that... your filthy. Yeah, blame an American. Well, I'm just uh, going to try and check that then because... Know where. Yeah, I remember it because it came up on. It said that was his first. Ah, game. Okay. His first goal in eighteen. Um, he, he'd managed only one goal in his previous twenty-one games. So ah, that'd be, that'd be it. Yeah. That'd be it. That's but what yeah. I get for not reading properly. Um, Still, pretty abysmal record. Do yeah, you do great. you think? And um, I'll ask Jack this first because <laughs> I'm not saying TK hates him, but he's definitely not going to be a glass half full guy with uh, Zaha. Do you think? Maybe he's been humbled, and I, no, I don't think he wasn't humble anyway. But do you think maybe he's had to have a bit of self-realization where no moves have come in for him this summer? So I think it was one of those where Palace rate him so highly, as in money-wise, and in the financial climate, the only teams that really have the money are the ones that didn't spend last year, and then all of the teams that needed a winger have either gone and bought a better winger a more proven winger at a higher level. I just think that his season last season was indifferent, had great flashes, but like you just alluded to there, one goal in 21 games is like half a season. So... Doesn't have the benefit of being a free like Fraser either. Exactly. Who's going to go and stump up the 60 to 80 million that 
Crystal Palace are asking for for a player that's got one goal in 21. The rumour was that they were willing to accept 30 this year, but I know 80 is the last kind of price they've quoted outright, which you could get get ZS cheaper than that. We'll see how well he does. You could get Kingsley Coman cheaper than that. Yeah. You could probably get Serge Nabry cheaper than that, the way Bayern are. But on a side point for you about to Palace, did you see the nerve... Their ex-chairmans um, had coming out saying that uh, Liverpool and Manchester United are trying to blackmail them to get their players cheaply. They've got some <laughs> nerve, haven't they? Who? Who, who came uh, out and said Munich. that? Bayern Munich, their ex-chief, um, like, basically, their ex-director yeah. of football or COO or whatever it is. He came out and said it was unethical the way that uh, his players his players being approached. Bearing in is... mind what they've done with Gertz... Uh, Lewandowski, <laughs> yeah. quite publicly as well, don't they? They come out and say, look, he's a guy we want to get in the summer. Yeah, and it's like, if we give Dortmund a rodding here, then yeah. no one's going to mind. Yeah. So, like, I mean, I don't like to side with United, not so much with Liverpool, but I did think you've got to read the room in that situation because you know we're going to have too much sympathy with you. No. He is a bit of a character like that, though. He does say some outlandish stuff. So. He's he left. What was it two seasons ago? If it's the guy I'm thinking of, is he the one who came out? And basically, they just put ten goals past us in two games in the Champions League, and then he shot on Ertzil for just like no reason whatsoever. Yeah, yeah, I think because <laughs> he retired, guy, saying like he was being abused for being Turkish. Lovely bloke. Um, let's go back to Palace, or I'll go to UTK. Um, what do you think is his level? So say you took Fee out of it and you had to place him in a club that isn't Palace, or maybe because it is Palace, if you think that is kind of his level, but where would you put him in terms of teams? Yeah, see, I think this this is kind of where the, the conundrum lies, is that the money they want is probably not reflective of where I think he's at. I think at that sort of fifth or sixth sort of level, so breaking into European places, you yeah. Could I mean for a team that's aiming to get there? I mean to say like I know Everton are normally the ones played out for this sort of example. But how that much difference do you think there is in him and Richarlison then? I, I think he's another one with the same sort of thing. Um, I don't. Yeah, I don't think there's a huge amount of difference. Obviously, slightly different style of player, but I think that sort of level. Um, as, as Jack said, Jack kind of took the, word, took the words out of my mouth when he said, "Who's going to stump up the cash for someone who's had the season he's just had?" You just, and you might suggest. You know, maybe it was he wasn't happy, or whatever. I do feel for him that I think he does deserve a move. I think he's better than Palace, and I think he will. He's a player that will do better at a higher level, where he's going to have more chances and have more play. But at the same time, I don't think he's what people have suggested he is. I think he made himself signing that deal. Well, mm. I the the way I look at his eyes, that he benefits from, and you saw it from the goal that was disallowed against Southampton, is that. Whilst his whole team's behind the ball, anything on a high line or a defensive line that's on the halfway line, which most teams usually are against Crystal Palace, um, the fact that he can just knock it round someone and out-sprint them, that really benefits them when he plays in a team setup like Palace does. I don't know if you put him in a top six or top eight team where they're going to have the majority of the possession, he brings anything more to that team than they already have. Because uh, I, I, I can see him being a great asset for getting people out of defence, getting you up the other end of the pitch. By the time everyone's caught up, 
it just kind of breaks Palace out of their defence. Whereas you put them in a top team, I don't think his close control is good enough. And I don't think his passing is good enough. I actually think he's good at holding the ball up when he plays that kind of role. I, yeah, I would but, love to have him as our middle man. If I could swap him for Lacazette, not sure Palace would be too keen on that deal, but <laughs> I, I would Palace. love to have him through the, middle, through the middle of our system. And I've said on there before just how high I am on Zahar. I think it's interesting when you look that Unai Emery was essentially told that it's between Zaha and Pepe, who you can have this summer. He said he wanted Zaha, and the board said that when we look at the numbers, when we look at this, that, the fee, Pepe's worth 72 million more than Zaha's worth 80 million. I don't disagree with that, having seen what I believe Pepe can do but I do think it's an interesting comparison. I think Zaha would bring a lot to us, but their price would have to come down quite significantly. I, I yeah. probably fall somewhere between what the two of you have said. In terms of I, I don't know that he'd be your guy for the minute. I think he would bring something different. It would be interesting. I don't know that he'd be your guy if you want to go to the top. Um, but I, I think Jack's a little bit... I, I see what Jack means with the sort of the counter attack does suit him down to the ground. I do think he's got sort of good enough feet and ability to, he's got a trick and the ability to beat a man that he doesn't just have to sort of play on the last shoulder. I think he could, if he had a more condensed defence, he could deal with it. But I, I, I think the problem, if Liverpool were getting linked with Spunk in a huge amount of cash, then I would be very, very cautious about it. I wouldn't be keen on it. Well, this is, this is the thing. So I definitely think you're right. I think you could, he could do that. But the problem is, is, Never done that because he's always playing. no. It is there's a risk, isn't there, with him? Exactly, exactly. He that. still gets like, the United move held against him for when he was 18 years old, playing in a dysfunctional, yeah. a dysfunctional United team. Which it David Moyes United, yeah. And maybe I'm misremembering, but I don't see that he got a lot of chances. It was one of them where the I same thing he got, a, with, you know, a run. Same happened with um, Urzel when it was under Emery, and Urzel didn't help himself. So I'm I'm not saying that, but it would be where. Ursel hasn't played for however many games and then he'd chuck him in like away at Watford for 20 minutes and be like, well, <laughs> you didn't get a winner here so obviously you're not as good as you yeah. think you are. I think you mean you're it's like Danny Rose, game. don't you? <laughs> right, yeah. He's, he's, he's not happy today uh, either, is he? I don't know if you've seen that story. I've, he's I've got get... a squad number, is he? They didn't tell him he, he ain't got a squad number. They didn't tell him and his mate phoned him up so I've just seen on Spurs' website oh, or whatever on... Um, that so and so has got number three, and yeah, he had no clue. But we'll get on to Spurs shortly. Yeah, yeah. Last Palace game, then. So, Carl Walker Peters is sent off, it's then reversed by VAR. Is this what we want to be seeing there? 100 million billion percent. Mm. I thought it was brilliant. I mm. thought that's exactly how I envisage VAR going, where the ref that's refing the game gets a second look at it. Because he's more likely, because it's his like decision that he's made to start with, he doesn't want to look bad. So if he knows he's got it wrong, he will change his mind because that's his chance. Whereas I, if you've got, you've I'm got the guys opposite that, way there. Well, if you've got guys at Stockley Park, they are literally sat there. They don't want to go against their mate and they know a decision's mm. wrong. They have that niggling doubt that they want to be seen to be back in their pals. Whereas if it's on a ref's shoulders... And he can see that he's got it wrong. And he's there in the moment. And he's judging that game at the moment. I believe it's the right thing. 
I think there are some refs you can show them making a mistake right in front of their eyes and they're still not going to go back on themselves. At Mike Dean, Mike Dean's, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he's, he's refing this game anyway. I definitely get that. But at the same time, we tried the other way last season and it's... Stuck. Yeah, no, this is definitely the way to go. So, and and, I yeah, and there's also more accountability with that. If you yeah. do that and Mike Dean still says, no, no, I think I'm right. After the game, we can say, well, <laughs> we can have a look you, at this, Mike, because you clearly aren't. And you can exactly. There's more accountability. Yeah. 100% because it isn't just on some faceless name yeah, in Stocky exactly. Park that no one's heard of. It's um, someone that can be demoted and sent down to championship if they have an absolute shocker. Mm. So I think you're right, Kika, that accountability factor is massive. Something I thought was interesting, and I don't know if there's any intention behind it, but it's the way they show the images back. I don't know if any of you watched it live or if you watched Match of the Day or whatever, but when they first showed it back, so the challenge was one where the ball's kind of in the air. They've both gone in for it and Walker Peters has gone with his booty in the air, but he's not, he's kind of dangled his foot out there rather than forcefully slammed through the other player's foot or whatever. Hmm. But when they show it back to the referee the first time around, they had like a freeze frame of his foot studs up like that going into the player's like bottom of his leg. So it, it immediately puts in your head like, this looks bad. Like when they show it in slow motion before they, mm. and you're like, show it in full motion. Mm, I do yeah. think it can be dangerous because it's one of them. We had that Van Dyke tackle we always go back to. Was it against Napoli? Where yeah, correct. The footage showed, that was the one where it was looked like a handball, but wasn't a handball, wasn't it? But because of the footage, or maybe that was a City game. Yeah, mixed up. There was one that was a yeah, tackle. Was there was one that was a handball. One. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And there was one picture where it showed like his studs has gone straight through him. And there was another one where it showed like it was a blade to the hand ball. And then you saw the full replay in full motion. <laughs> he takes the ball and you see the other one in full motion and the ball doesn't even touch his hand. Mm. So showing like a still image like that before you show the video, it, it was a bit off for me. And I immediately thought, well, he's definitely going in. Even when the commentator's mm. like, oh, I think he's going to stay. Yeah, I, I get you. I think it should be kind of press slate, view it again, start full motion picture, no slow-mo yet. And just kind of go through the motions that way. Should that not yeah. be just like a secondary sort of thing? So he can watch it in full time, a replay, a different angle if he wants. And then if he's really, really unsure, then you can kind of get to the minutiae of slow mo and stuff then. Is that, mm. would that not it's, be an easier one of doing it? It's quite simple. Like when you see them do it in like TMO in rugby leagues or the one I watched more, but where you see it where they're kind of deeming whether they have any control of the ball when they're putting it down. And mm. it's like, they play it in full motion first off, and then they ask for it to be slowed down after. Just doing it that yeah. would be yeah. so much simpler. But we seem to find a way to overcomplicate even the most simple of uh, manoeuvres. Yeah. So I think it's going to. I'll be interested to see if they release stats of which referees go back on their own decisions more, because I'm sure there'll be a pattern there. Yeah, most definitely. Um. Liverpool-Leeds, then, was the next game we had. Kind of uh, your showboat game of the evening, the one I think most people were looking forward to, whether Liverpool fan, Leeds fan, or whoever else. Um, this game was always why we used to say Liverpool must see TV. I think if Liverpool could go back to this, if someone can slip them a few quid or whatever and say, look, score however many you want, but just don't be so good at the back for us this season. Throw a couple in the net as well. Yeah, because this <laughs> was like everything you want to see why we used to want to see Liverpool in these type of games. 
Because last season, like, I saw Liverpool go 1-0 up and thought, oh, Christ, here we go then. That's mm. the game done, as you do with Man City as well. Yeah. But you very quickly saw afterwards that that wasn't the case and we had a belter, which could very well be game of the season when we come right back round to it at the end. Mm. I think, again, it's one of those tragedies that is robbed from fans being there mm. to see a game like that. But then, I, found, I also saw an interesting start the other day that Van Dijk is now been direct one of his faults has directly contributed to a goal more than any other player in the last 12 months in yeah three. this is one of them where why well, you don't trust stats where yeah it's like, exactly. that like i think the company that he shares is david louise and mustafi so <laughs> it's not the company you want to be in anyway <laughs> well mustafi hasn't really played much but uh, david louise i can completely believe i know it was shaka at one point yeah um but it's like well don't that's why you need to see some context to it because the David Luiz yeah. ones have been, uh, not the David Luiz, the Van Dyke ones have been bad. It seems like when he has a bad game, he really does have a bad game. And we've said that with quite a few Liverpool players. You said it about Trent and it was spot on. <laughs> if that header account, he crushed a load. Yeah. <laughs> well, I thought it was interesting with Trent because it almost goes to when you played Norwich first game of last season and they said that Nor- Norwich didn't show you enough respect and that they didn't change their tactics and they just went straight in. And on the opposite way of being disrespectful in the best way possible, it seemed quite clear that Bielsa had set them up to target Trent rather than go any other way around it. And I've said before that I think it's very overhyped the whole Trent can't defend thing is just good going forward because mm. as good as that Liverpool midfield is, if that was the case you're probably finding room for Trent in midfield and looking for a right-back. He obviously mm-hmm. can defend. Yeah, yeah. This It was very clear that every time they had the ball, they're switching the play, at least at the start of the game, and going straight down Trent's side. And unfortunately for Trent, it worked three, t- three times out of four. <laughs> yeah. So it wasn't a good look for him, but I thought that was just brilliant in the way that with who Trent is, you shouldn't be targeting him it should be one like where you see an NFL line set up and it's hot. You want to avoid him down the side that you're running or whatever. So for Trent, you, we're his reputation because he's going to go down as one of the best le- best right backs to ever play in the Premier League. You, you shouldn't be looking to go at him, particularly when you've just come up from the championship, but it worked perfectly. Tricky though, isn't it? You, you've, as we've touched on, you're going to have to hope he has a bad day. And he is going to go forward and sometimes leave a spot there. So, in a, in a Liverpool team that, without sounding arrogant, doesn't have too many weaknesses. That was my next point. Yeah. It, it kind of is it. I mean, he he's a better footballer than Robertson. Robertson's a better fullback. He knows the position better. So, if you're going to get more change out of him. If, if we go through the goals. So, Liverpool's I first goal. Sense. I think it did. Yeah, no, I get you. Liverpool's first goal came under what the commentators called controversial circumstances when... Salah's shot hit uh, Robin Cox's arm, which they loved saying that on the commentary. It was like, oh, oh, Tyler can stop chucking to yeah. himself, for fuck's sake. <laughs> I didn't really see why it was controversial at all. His arm was yeah. right outstretched. Yeah, he had it. Very outstretched, didn't he? Yeah. I don't know why they were saying it, it was like an uncomfortable call to make or whatever. It seemed quite stonewall for me. Jack, you're probably the man to ask. If there's a way to not call it a penalty, you're probably <laughs> going to be the one to find it. No, I, I was one of those, but I, didn't you tweet it? Didn't you say it about Kieran being charged uh, and being biased? Martin Tyler. 
might entirely, yeah. I said he doesn't even try and hide it during Liverpool games. Yeah, and it's like Jamie Carragher here, when he's trying to say that it's not a penalty, he's almost yeah. trying to get away from the fact that, oh, I'm not biased. Towards yeah, that was, because... yeah, Kieran was quite blatantly biased in the Arsenal game. I said, he's read what's happened there and he's trying to do the opposite because... Exactly, because that was the only way that I could think that he didn't think that was a stone baller. Like, deflection or not, you have your arm out like that in the penalty area, that's a penalty. Yeah, it was... They said because it came off his knee, but his arm's still out there, so... They seem to make yeah. these rules up, or they at least interpret them how they want to interpret it, rather than... Like, they need to have about eight iterations of the rule just to make it so it can't really be misconstrued, because... We all, th- you, you know when it's handballed, don't you? You look at it, yeah. like, that's you I, think, I think the fact that a penalty has just been awarded to Liverpool and every fan base has said that's a penalty should should, should literally yeah. tell yeah. you... No, if there's any sort of grey area, it will be explored. <laughs> exactly. So it's like, I think that is all that needs to be said. Because straight after then, Calvin Phillips switches the play um, past Trent, and then uh, goes past Gomez and slots the ball into the bottom corner from the edge of the area. Did you think Allison should have done better TK or was it just too quickly past him? I thought for a couple of them, I thought I'm not. I don't. I wouldn't say he's to blame, but I thought he could do slightly better. If he saves it, it's obviously a great save. But yeah, I thought he wasn't quite at the races himself. But I, no one was really. I thought as we've obviously highlighted Van Dijk and Trent. I thought Gomez positioning was all over the shop. Uh, and he started last season in a similar sort of vein, actually. So I don't know if he's just a, a slow starter or what. But again, he got quite a position a lot of times and the others were having to make up for it at times. Yeah. Every manager that's not been entirely happy with their performance has blamed uh, like a bad pre-season or not enough time. And I think you're going to get this. Every time someone <laughs> loses it, that's going to be to blame. The go-to, isn't it? Congested fixture list will be at some point in the yeah. season. That'll be the next bit. So we then go down the other end, Van Dyke puts it in from the corner and that very much looked like they said how they were the two best defences in each league and that was what you'd expect more from if Liverpool were playing Arsenal, that header in from the corner. Yeah, it's, you've always got to be... It's tricky, isn't it? Because he's obviously very good in the air but if you concede against Liverpool, you don't want it to be from a set piece, do you? No. From a corner or a free kick, you don't. You almost don't want it to be Van Dyke. You want it to be like... Wijnaldum or someone else that you sh- you shouldn't really <laughs> it should be alright where's Van Dyke on this call we'll deal with him and yeah yeah, yeah. I was a nightmare 11 aside because probably in- until Langston came around I was one of the taller ones in the team so it's always he's like <laughs> well I don't, I don't really come off the floor when I jump so this isn't ideal <laughs> um, Van Dyke then straight down the other end is at fault um Bamford pulls back the goal for lead. Dallas kind of just kicks it towards the goal, almost just hoping that someone can make something happen. And Van Dyke, they called it arrogant on the commentary, I believe. Flicked Carrigan it into did, yeah. Bamford's path, who sneaks it in. People said he, he proved a lot of critics wrong. I'm not sure Bamford did that. It didn't make me think he shouldn't be starting for Leeds, but he, made he did it. what he had to do. Yeah. I think as well, he missed a few opportunities as well. That, and I think it's the one where didn't he go round Allison and couldn't get it in? Yeah, um, and they said that basically sums him up, didn't they? Yeah, <laughs> which is pretty <laughs> ruthless. 
Um, it could be the the thing that sort of settles on there to say, right, I can score goals in the prem, and he could hit a run. But yeah, I would, if come back to us in twenty games time and see how many he's got, I would yeah, I wouldn't be too hopeful for him. Um, Salah's third goal was a peach, right in the top corner as well, wasn't it? Like, yeah. He obviously knew he whacked it, but went on that replay. Oh, Jesus, he was not like, it anymore now. The top the four bins. Yeah, yeah. Third for Leeds as well was a perfect. One touch, put that in the corner as well. Yeah, that that and their first one were both great goals. I will say for them, neither player will probably have a better first touch again in their <laughs> life than on either of those. They only just plucked it out the air. Yeah, for all the bad defending, there was also some great finishing. Mm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think the final blow comes for Leeds on 88 minutes where Rodrigo does, as the commentators call, a tackle of a forward. I think they're being kind and, to saying that. It was horrendous, wasn't it? You knew what was happening the second he even went close. Yeah, honestly, his teammates should be lynching him in the changing room. Thus, to cost to go three three at the reigning champions at Anfield, where they haven't lost in what a year and a bit now, and then do that in the last the last of the game is criminal. Just a ridiculous change. I wasn't even looking. He looks like the other way. Swings a leg out. I said it's. They call it Sunday league. You deem that offensive? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Bielsa said before the game, it's only Anfield when it has fans in there. Not sure how much of that was just trying to cheer his team up, but they did come in with the lack of respect. They could go either either one of ways because I think that's the right message to send his team. I think that's the right thing to it, say. If it wasn't for some Van Dyke defending it could have been just as messy in a one-sided game as it was messy in both ends in a close game. And some better finishing from us early on as well. If you can not long yeah. after we get that penalty, we have that the one where Keita slides in Firmino and for whatever yeah, reason he decides, what. to, decides to square it. That's a shock of a decision. And then obviously the he should have finished that other one where he's done one of the worst attempts. I don't even know what he's trying to do in terms of the finish uh, for the other chance. So, you did that against us at the Emirates last season, where for the first 20 minutes, it was like as good as you'd been in the season, whether you'd won the league or not. And then as soon as the other goal went in, then it was like, like calamity year, one after <laughs> the other. Yeah. Um, if we go on to West Ham versus Newcastle, I mean, we have to oh, mention do we have to? <laughs> it's one of the most dull games of football I've ever seen. Yeah. It was yeah. that bad as well. It was all about excitement for the season coming back. Yeah, it was, it, they actually deserve credit for being able to do that. They were like, to carry on the Harry Potter references, I guess, they were like, it was like a Dementor was in your TV screen. It just sucked. <laughs> it's sold out of it. <laughs> this is just horrible. It probably is what you'd expect if you were told that a Steve Bruce team was playing a David Moyes team <laughs> for the first day of the season. But. Hey, Newcastle won't be complaining. Callum Wilson gets a goal on his debut. Jeff Hendrick gets a goal on his debut. Nice finish to bring well. Ryan Fraser off the bench. Um, thought it was harsh that Almiron was dropped. I don't know if he had a, a knock or anything, but it's a bold from uh, Brucey, if that's the case. Yeah, Playing Carroll when he's fit. Yeah, that's uh, probably what it is. Won't be long. It is making hay whilst the sun shines, <laughs> though, isn't it? The commentators are talking about him. I was like, are they just going to ignore his injury record? Are we just going to assume, oh yeah, he's going to do this all year? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, fair play to him because considering you see some players who they'd rather not come back than come back for terrible wages 
And it does seem bad saying he's only on 20 grand. But Is he still on pay as you play? I'm going mainly on football manager, so you can't have pay as you play on there. But I, I believe came, that was last year the gig was, wasn't it? From from what my understanding was of it after is it's like a twenty thousand base salary, and then if right. he plays, then it bumps up to probably closer to the salary he'd expect. That would make more sense, yeah. Fair yeah, enough. which I think is pretty much what Arsenal tried to offer Wilshire, and for whatever reason, West Ham offer you hundred grand a week. Then West Ham will drop bags on you. Yeah, and now. Um, they're trying to terminate his contract, so there we yeah, go. rough size. Um, if we go on to West Brom, Leicester, I'll be honest here, I slept through my alarm, so <laughs> I actually didn't see West Brom, Leicester. Um, so I don't know if one of you want to take the reins here and uh, ideally talk me through it. I did watch, so it's just okay. I thought you were about to say you didn't. Then I thought it was yeah. a bad look. For him. <laughs> I, I was thinking Jack was about to say you didn't either. <laughs> so I, I watched bits of it, uh, mm. but if you watched all of it, please go. Well, I was I was watching the first half and Leicester were battering it. I was looking at the odds in play, and they were still like eight to five just to win Leicester. I was thinking, checking a stupid amount on. I I didn't, which I later regretted, just because <laughs> West Brom had like a chance late on. And the commentator mentioned how bad Leicester would be at the end of the season. I thought, no, don't be stupid, don't be stupid. Uh, but he carried on. Uh, again, if, if you felt like Fulham had never left, I felt like West Brom had never left. Um, just pretty despondent. Um, Leicester got some nice play. They, they were playing light before the lockdown. I like they struck it around nicely. Dangerous and strong at the back as well. So but, I don't know um, how much to read into that. Cause obviously, I said West Brom. Yeah. But. That Castagna had a good game, didn't he? He played well. I know he got a goal. Yeah, yeah, he, he does look the part. As, as the commentators kind of kept pointing out every time he's he is a Belgium international, so it's a decent sort of pick-up for them, I think, considering... Obviously, they, they don't really miss. We, we sell about no. we spend a lot of money and they have had misses. Leicester, as, as far as it goes, they don't really miss. I think the last one they probably missed on was what Slomani they spent like twenty million on. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. Still can't get rid of him. <laughs> the the concern for them is going to be the squad depth, isn't it? With Europe as well, and as we yeah. said before, if Vardy isn't firing, who's going to do it for all this? All the good play that they had in this, it was had to it had to be him again. Who was going to obviously, albeit from the spot, yeah. But it was him that they were predominantly relying on for the goals. Well, I guess they struggle signing strikers when you think of the ones. So, Stamani, Faguli, they, they paid for. Um, other than that, if they could just have someone else buy their strikers for them, then they'd probably be sorted. <laughs> they stuck uh, Ndidi in a centre-back for this game as well. They did the other okay. Fernandinho. But I was about to say he did well, but I can't say he was overly tested either. In some of the, the lack of intensity, really, I thought from well from both teams, really, but from West Brom, considering they were the losing team, it was disappointing. Yeah. I, I don't know whether it was again we've spoken about the lack of a quality preseason. Maybe that's they're going to take a little a couple of games to get going or what, but they're going to have to pick it up because at the minute them and Fulham look like they could get cut adrift already. I know it's only his first game, but they just don't look up to the standard. Do you know? Um... There's four players in the league wearing number 25 this year um, because of Kanu. 
Ndidi, <laughs> Igalo, Onoma, and um, Eze all have chosen to wear 25 because of Wanko uh, Kanu saying he's their idol. That's oh, sensational. Right. I know. Poor man. Ndidi's uh, a former Nigerian international. I don't know if um, mm. some of the others maybe have some heritage there or something that would mean that that's why they like him so much. But Kanu does seem to be one of them who I've never really heard anyone say a bad word against. So. A cult figure. Yeah, probably is harsh in that usually you think of that to make them a lesser player when they're a cult hero, but... He's got the best of both of us, hasn't he? Yeah. I've Um, never never forgiven him for that hat-trick against Chelsea and broke my heart. (laughs) Spurs-Everton, so would have been good having AJ here to talk about this, but unfortunately not. He would have been ranting about this game as well. (laughs) So Spurs began their 2021 season slumping to a 1-0 defeat at home, which may be a bit bit overlooked. Um, Goalless at half-time, Everton looked by far the better team. James Rodriguez surprised me by how much he was putting himself about. Whether that's going to fade after his first game, I'm not sure. I suspect it might. And maybe if things aren't going your way, it might go a bit differently. But I, think I don't so, think yeah. any of us are saying Deeney is the answer to so that. <laughs> like Richard Keyes. <laughs> proper bloke. <laughs> proper bloke. Don't bother when he's good footballers. Get yourself a proper bloke. In. Yeah. But yeah, he, he was he was very impressive. Alan was obviously very impressive. Decore, we didn't hear too much from, which probably says more about Spurs than it does his own performance, doesn't it? By the fact that if we didn't really have any reason to hear, hear his name. Exactly. And I think... If it wasn't for an absolutely horrendous miss, it could have been 2-0. I mean, yeah. Everton would have, you would say, had the best of the game. Didn't mm, Tottenham have definitely. like so 34% possession at home to Everton? Like, I feel like we've been blinkered. Like, how sanitised must all or nothing be? Because you don't, you rarely hear Jose talk about tactics. It's all about his motivation and stuff like that. Okay, so that they're, I've seen the last three episodes so so last night yet. and today. I don't want to be too much of a dampener, but it's it seems like a couple of the last episodes are rushed through. Like we've got our gold now. You kind of go. They kind of go. Season's about to end. Bang! We're at the last game of the season. So right, a bit of that. They don't even make as much of the Arsenal win as I thought they would. Because um, this is a, this the Game of Thrones does. Yeah, I feel, I feel like when, what we've got is Mourinho is this brilliant guy and if anyone can do it, he can do it. He's great at building this team. But it's just not reflected in the results. So there must be something else going on here. Mm. Because well, there's, I, don't, I won't spoil the whole thing for you, but just this kind of goes to what we're saying here. So if you remember when they played Wolves last season, I think they went one or... They went 1-0 up and they lost 2 or 3-1. Mm. Um, and they referenced that game where Jose says to them, like, there isn't any of you that played badly, but in the first two minutes, Mora beat two players, Ruben Neves pulled him down. Right at the end of the game, Sun's trying to go through, Dendonka pulls him down. He's like, it's not difficult to know that if someone's attacking and they're ahead in numbers, then you break that up. He says, "Look, you're all you're all nice you're all nice people, but that's not going to win you a trophy." Here. But like mm. with that, for example, do you not do you not think that's sort of 
misleading. That's kind of half the problem. And from watching documentaries, they do seem like us. But as Jack just touched on, they just have 34% against Everton. Being yeah, a cunt in the game isn't going to change that. You've actually got to be good. You've got to have quality. And you've got exactly. another three episodes of you're too nice. Yeah, I mean, but there's there's bigger problems than just... That seems an oversimplification of where they're at. Yeah, for, for sure. Having watched um, that game. Yeah, like, it wasn't the fact that they were nice guys. It was the fact that they couldn't keep hold of the fucking ball. No. Like, they couldn't create anything for Harry Kane to work upon, who looks a shadow of his former self. I thought... International will give him a break. He's not at the races. Rarely they are. But rarely do people show up for England. No. But that form has carried on. I know he had like a bad injury last season, but he still came back towards the end of it. And at the moment, he isn't starting for England for me. He's no, not doing. I will this. say he was kind. I wouldn't. I don't know if feeding off scraps is the right term, but it wasn't. It was hardly stellar no. service, was it? it, was, no, it was, there's there's an entire episode on Corona, basically, and the implications of it. Christ. And then the end, I think, is Harry Winks going to a school in an old people's home, so you can enjoy that as, as much as you please. But I think it's their backup keeper, even number 41, <laughs> yeah, Alfie, Alfie Whiteman. So the look on his face when they mentioned that the league might be getting cancelled, he couldn't look happier. Oh, Jesus. And then, and then Kane's <laughs> cracking up, saying them Liverpool fans aren't going to be happy. Oh, no. <laughs> it's not a good look, Le- really, is it? Daniel Levy shit himself, saying, but the TV money, we can't play games <laughs> behind closed doors. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, it's interesting from that side, but you've got a lot of what we've seen before, like, wash your hands, this kind of thing. Oh, brilliant. It seems bizarre, and we see with other things in that kind of time frame that we were told to like wash our hands eight times a day and to not shake hands, but then talk face to face, like two centimeters apart. So you can see how wide this spread as much as it did when you look back like that. Mm. With, with the documentary, I think part of the uh, the problem with it is the title "All or Nothing," and even the, the, the trailer <laughs> when like uh, when Josie says like the season we've had is impossible. Neither of those things are true. It was a, a relatively average, very much possible season. A team that had a few injuries or whatever came, whether they finished sixth was in the end, was it? Yeah. Uh, and had just a, a run-of-the-mill season. There was no all or nothing about it, and that's kind of where they're at at the minute. It's not yeah. all it's or nothing. It's beautiful the previous, seeing them go out the FA Cup. The previous sort of documentaries have been City, which has been the all bit, or Sunderland, which has been the nothing bit. We kind of like seeing people look yeah. sad or people really really struggle Spurs are just somewhere in between the Spurs <laughs> one's been great for memes the City one was great for insight and I, I've not seen the Sunderland one but and that's I've just the car crash yeah the, the, the Sunderland one, one for next year the Sunderland one is really good I would really recommend it just to see the pain and the anguish football can cause an entire city the contrast yeah, between them and the City one is perfect as well. Just one yeah. club that's just like run like a smooth machine and one that is just <laughs> horrendous. Like they had that £130,000 ice like bath thing just because the old owner used to come down after ghosts uh, golf <laughs> to sit in it and no one actually used it. The freeze, the freeze chamber, that was it. Yeah, they've not confirmed one for um, next season, so that's a shame. I saw a headline of Josie saying he's relieved they're not filming anymore, which which doesn't surprise me. I think any manager would. He looks like he was or, loving it. I was going to say, I, I'm not convinced he didn't enjoy the spotlight, no. but <laughs> I think he and he gets shown in a fairly good light from you know. I don't know if the last three of these change it, but 
I remember before when they had like a pre-show for some journalists and stuff, they said this basically is almost like a, a Jose propaganda route in terms of he looks fantastic. This is um, what I was thinking. Um, I was thinking if like players that from teams that he's managed, if they watch this and they all sat there and said, fuck off. No, this no, is no, not, no. yeah. This isn't a guy that takes a Premier League winning Chelsea team and finishes 10th or has I, or gets them down to 17th acting like this. I'm, I'm conscious. Do you mind if I tell you one more thing from this because it is a good little story it's go just it, a little Nick. tidbit you but go for it one of them Jose says he wants to try a new method basically and so he burns a DVD of every goal Spurs conceded in the season and plays it on a big screen in the changing room and then they come <laughs> in for training the next day and he says I noticed a few of you um, turned it off do you not think you should be able to own up to your own mistakes? And oh, so no. sits them in a meeting and makes them watch the entire thing while singling out an individual player each time as the oh, no. player, including Deli Ali on one of them against Leipzig. Long enough well, to watch as they tonight. have him highlighted walking, and then he has to go at the rest of the team saying, "It's not just his fault. One of you should be telling." Yeah. So, yeah. That's the highlight of the last three episodes to me. It kind of fizzles out into a bit of a almost people are going to make this out to be like we've done really badly here, but actually we've done a really good job. Is essentially yeah. yeah. It's, it's, what I love about it is that you've got Tom Hardy narrating it, <laughs> and, and the constant theme throughout the whole of it is Tottenham are now only three points away from the all-important Champions League places. If I'd only watched this doc, I would have thought they were necking that right to the end. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it exactly carries that. on. If like, this has been broadcast to countries where the Premier League isn't a, like a weekly watched thing or follows, like how I follow American football, I just expect the teams to be where they are. Like You would think that Spurs are completely in this, but in fact... The times that they're like three or six points behind fourth, usually because there's like two games in hand or something like that. <laughs> that low angle they always use for footage makes everything look ten times cooler every time. Yeah, L- low angle, bit of background music, you know, yeah, yeah. drama there. Yeah, and so then really... a, a bit of a mute of all of everything as the ball is hit. Yeah, and all you, all yeah. you hear is the hit of the ball, and then the net bulge and the crowd. The net, then the crowd. Yeah, I feel like I could make one just <laughs> no. from that. Just to go back to the, the Spurs game, I know we referenced Richarlison with the miss and we referenced him in comparison to Zahar. Well, they just give you some statistics from the game yesterday so you can take them as you will. He had the most recoveries of anyone on the pitch, most take-ons completed, most shots attempted, most fouls won, most tackles, 100% aerials won, 100% take-ons completed, 100% tackle success. I thought that a good game. Ultimately, we put it down to that big miss that he had that um, miss was horrible wasn't it it's someone's problem, yeah. someone's highlighted there's a documentary on um, Amazon about Brazil's Copa America run that they had where they won it last time out mm. and uh, all the, the players in there are like fanatical about Richarlison and what talent he is and the manager and during the Copa America final they say the, the only thing they could pick up from what the manager said is he just shoved every ball to Richarlison every ball to Richarlison and you look at that Brazil team, that shows a lot of faith in what they believe he can do. Mm. It's just he seems not too sure himself as to whether he's a winger or a striker. And it I, seems like most managers he plays for have the same issue. Yeah, that that is it, isn't it? It's, 
if you're going to play him as a striker, you're going to have to accept probably there's going to be some misses. I don't think he's a natural goal scorer. I think it's good. He's, I think he's got a, a lot of quality. Yeah, like you said, he's big, strong, fairly quick, doesn't give up either. As you said about like the recoveries, for example, I can completely believe it because he does put in a shift as well as everything else. But it's, the, Things like that miss are hard to overlook. Deeney's kind of the guy though, isn't he, where you would say so you have just talked about someone last season who people don't want to play against. And he himself on that podcast he did with Poet and Vuj said, if you go around every defender in the Premier League and you ask them who they don't like to play against, mm. if you, if they all had to give three, then I bet every one of them has me on their list. Mm. He's he's kind of maybe something that we'll see more going forward in that he is that type of player, but there's also a lot more to him. Whereas Deeney is what he is. I don't think he would pretend to be any different. But no. you're almost getting a more technical version of it there with Richarlison. And if a manager can have one of them in their team, that's probably what you, you pray to the gods for because you can work on his finishes. The kind of, I think as Arteta called it, the non-negotiables in the way that he's charging the ball down, that kind of thing you kind of know whether you have it or you don't, as we saw on the documentary, the first episode with Dele Alli, where Mourinho singled him out and said he knows that he's a shit trainer and he doesn't put as much effort in as he should. And if you have that half player, time yesterday. Yeah, then you can put the rest around that. So Richarlison, under Ancelotti, is only going to get better, isn't he? And you'd imagine with the players he now has behind him, it's going to help. But as Gary Neville said yesterday, or was it Carragher, there really are no excuses for them now. No, exactly. They've they've got the team in place, and they looked really good yesterday. But I think we touched on with Hamez about halfway through the season. Maybe we'll see if he's still doing it. I think we'll see it about Everton as a whole. I don't think we can read too much into it in terms of Jose said about Spurs. They didn't really press them. A team that does and really puts in the work, we're going to find out a little bit more about Everton and those new signings. His quote: He said he he said his front line um, had lazy pressing. So that's what Lucas Moore, son, Harry Kane, probably. And you'd probably put Deli Alli in that if he hoisted him mm. off pretty quickly. Yeah. I feel like, do you not think, for those that play football manager, one of the first questions you get asked <laughs> in your press conference is, uh, you have a style of play, are you going to bring that here? And then so you get the option of, no, it's worked for me everywhere else, so I don't see why it wouldn't work here. And that kind of seems to be what's happening, isn't it? Whereas where Jose has his style and he's not prepared to change it and so Kane has to play how he wants the strikers to play in. Yeah. Which is why I thought Dele Alli would thrive because he's worked with Lampard and look, there's no comparison between the two in terms of ability. But one of the things Dele Alli's praised for most is the timing of his run into the box, which obviously Lampard was like the go-to at in terms of a Premier League midfielder. Hmm. So you thought that he was only going to improve but as we've seen with other players, either you really get on with Mourinho's style of play or it's going to be the opposite way and you're going to hate every second of it. And ESPN today, they had all their pundits on there. The main story, if you, if you look at Spurs, is um, how many games does he have left? Some of them are saying... Fucking hell. I think it was um, Shaka Hislop, actually. <laughs> I don't know how he's one good <laughs> way to be a pundit there. But, wow. Um, but yeah, he's a regular on ESPN. It's yeah, a joke. <laughs> yeah, he says um, Jose's got three games left, and he doesn't win all three. He's done. Jesus Christ! I thought again, this is really weird, isn't it? Because we're coming off the back of watching this documentary where he is painted in 
like King John Un kind of like, <laughs> like state sponsored. You can tell it's been put out by the club. And they sanitized the bits they wanted to sanitize in it. So it's a very, it's good, it's good to see what goes on in a big football club that way. Cause I feel the Man City one, you don't see as much. You definitely don't have the same contact as you do with like the chairman. But what I'm seeing on the pitch just does not correlate to what I've just watched in that documentary. Like, not one bit. Spurs we, body language tells you exactly how they feel about Mourinho. Yeah, we've gone through a whole back end of last season of mediocre performances and games that they won that they probably shouldn't have. Um, and they were lucky to. Watched this kind of documentary before the season started and forgotten all about that. I thought, actually, Joe, is not that bad of a guy. And then the season starts again, so well, hang on a minute, that's shit. What? What? This just doesn't correlate. By the end of it, I was even warming to Eric Dyer, which was mental. So yeah. <laughs> the documentary did its job. Exactly. His bigger problem now is obviously they've got this fixture pile up now, don't they? Is it like nine games in 22 days or something stupid? And you could yeah. have done with getting off to a good start. This hasn't, this hasn't helped with that. If heads go down, it's going to be a lot harder to get yourself up for these games. Mm, definitely. But before we carry on, we definitely have to give a mention to um, Dominic Calvert-Lewin and um, Lucas Digne, who both connected for the goal. Um, on Calvert-Lewin, that was his 20th Premier League goal since the start of the uh, 2018-19 season, which is second most among English players under 23, only trailing Marcus Rashford. So he's quietly been putting the goals in, and whether it says more about kind of England's options up front under that age or not I've, I've said for a while sometimes not believing it too much myself but there is a player in there and if you can get the most out of him I don't think he's going to be a, a Bamiyang or that kind of player kind of a, like Jinky running that kind of thing but I think you could get a Vardy type out of him and someone that's going to harry your defenders someone that's going to charge you down and for the most part, he, he doesn't really shy away in the big moments. So he is a, what is he, do I say? Well, he's under 23, I'm not sure. I think he might be 21 or something like that. If they can keep working and working with him, I think you can have a really good player in there. Yeah, definitely. And I think he's got the attributes that you want. You just want him to be able to raise it one more level to be the upper echelons and been looking into an England caller because you put Tammy Abraham and you put Calvert-Lewin up against each other. I was about to ask TK what he thought about the two there because both our views are probably quite skewed on them. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to argue with the goals he scored. Do you know what I mean? And I've said this before about Tammy. I'm not going to judge him yet because it was his first proper season for us last season. I'm not going to make any assumptions. But he's a tall guy that doesn't bring a lot unless he's finishing in the box. Mm. And he does miss a lot of chances that you would expect a striker to put away. He's a tall guy that isn't that quick and he can't hold up the ball. In the games where he'd go off and Giroud would come on, we'd start winning the headers from goal kicks and holding up play. Calvert-Lewin is quietly doing the stuff that we'd want Tammy to be doing mm. um, and not getting the recognition for it in my eyes. How would you compare the two, TK? Yeah, I think Jack's probably pretty close to the mark in terms of 
Sammy's probably got more raw ability, but Calvert-Lewin's is able to max, kind of get everything out of himself. He maximises everything he's got better than Sammy does. I think Calvert-Lewin's probably exceeded a lot of people's expectations for him already as well. So when you say about can he go to another level, he's already seems to have sort of uh, gone to a level that's higher than a lot of people expected. So who mm. knows? Um, I don't know if he's ever going to be your 25 goals a season guy. And I, if Everton are going to go to the next level, can he be a leading man? I'm not entirely sold. But if you, you're saying about, say, for England, if we were to take five strikes, I think he's different to something else we've got. I think that that work rate and that ability to put himself about a bit is different without just being you know, a lump that we throw it up to. I think he's better than that as well. So he's an interesting if, option. If he played for Liverpool, United, Chelsea, Arsenal, he probably would have had an England call-up already by the numbers he's put up. Yeah. I was going to go back to him, which is harsh, I know, but some of the players we've seen, I mean, Hudson Adoy got an England call-up off, what, like two starts and three appearances off the bench. Greenwood's had it off uh, like two months of the season and got an England call-up. So I think as well as far less... Yeah, I think as well as not being at one of the top teams, I think there is also he's not a fashionable player to watch. No, if you know Hudson Adoy is an exciting player to watch, even if you don't think he's of the required quality. Same with Greenwood's, obviously, you know, seen as the next hope. Calvert-Lewin is I'm trying to think of a nice way of putting it, but a rational sort of player. I don't think any centre-backs going to enjoy playing them two uh, if they're up top together because you're not going to have a second to breathe. No, no, absolutely not. Um, just to go on to Dinia, so his assist was his 12th since the 18-19 season, which puts him only behind two full-backs, which I'm sure you know which ones they are. So his 12 <laughs> assists since 18-19 comes only behind Trent Alexander-Arnold with 25 and Andy Robertson with 24 for the most by a defender in that span. So probably harsh to compare yourself to one of those two and you probably compare yourself to the group after that. Because that the whole squad, I suppose, for Liverpool, the system does work towards the fullbacks and that he's not going to put up those numbers anyway. So no. you're probably looking at your Tierney's, your Shaw, chill, that kind chill of... Well. Yeah, Chilwell, yeah. yeah. So they're probably the guys that Dinia should be comparing himself to. And look, I know he's, he's a few not, years old. He's not did, top one, he's top two. I did wonder if Chelsea might have a look at him when they were looking for a left-back. I know he's, what, three or four years older than Chilwell? But I did wonder if they might have a look because he is, he said, a quality player. And it's not like he's, you know, old and over the hill either. No. I, I do find it funny that we've gone for, like, the Man United model of sign English. And if you don't sign English, sign big names. You, you <laughs> needed to, didn't you? Well, we've seen... The fact that a lot of homegrown players now you either have to play them early or they get shipped off before they hit that 21 age where you're going to register them. So mm. probably part of it is that when you can get someone, Arsenal were prepared to pay 10 million supposedly for David Raya from uh, Brentford, who I like mainly because of football manager, not because of anything <laughs> remarkable I've seen him do. <laughs> but he's homegrown, so we were probably going to put an extra. 10 million on that it's actually changed and we've just bought some Icelandic keeper for one and a half million I think but the price of a homegrown player is obviously massive in today's squad because so few of them are about in at the required level to, to really max you out see I believe that was the reason why we bought Danny Drinkwater 100% mm. 
put mm. 30 million because that was around that was around the time that we really were struggling for homegrown talent. We were registering Asmir Begovic and Cesc Fabregas as homegrown because they were the only ones that we could count. And all of a sudden, we've just had our massive influx of youth products and we've got surplus English players now. Even then, they have to have trained at the club for four years before they hit or in the country for four years before they hit the homegrown level. So you yeah. can't just register like, I don't believe you'd be able to register Billy Gilmore yet because he's not 20 or 21, is he? So like that type of mm. player don't yet count. So it does make it a bit more difficult. But so you can't true. just register four academy players and have the rest is yeah, European big boys or whatever. So I will say, though, that when it was brought in, people kind of poo-pooed this homegrown thing because... They didn't see a way of it working, but if you look around the big top teams now, I think it has. Like we've, there's a lot more homegrown talent in the, all the top, top half of the table than they used yeah. to be. Mm. So yeah. I think fair play to them. They've got something yeah. right. Yeah. Um, if if we go on, so um, to link this in nicely, uh, the Bucks were eliminated from the NBA playoffs last week after having the league's best record in the regular season. So. Being deemed an upset, there seemed a good chance for us to go delve back into the history books. And what is the worst cup set that you've experienced? Um, Jack did indicate to me that maybe Alex isn't on because there are, are actually that many Spurs ones for him to go through. <laughs> and he's just been like flummoxed by it all. But <laughs> if we start with you, TK, because I have a feeling yours and Jack's might be going down the same year even. So one yeah, might I think before right. the other. Um, so if we go to you first. Yeah, it's, it's just the one you're alluding to is Barnsley. Uh, <laughs> it was a rough gig. Um, I remember we pretty much, I, th- I know Gerald came on as a sub, but pretty much full strength of them, that, I think. Uh, not sure, was, was Torres there at that point? Anyway, yeah, horrendous. I remember they got the last minute winning, didn't they? That, uh, Brian Howard, I remember seeing his face celebrating rough, <laughs> rough times. It's, uh, it's etched on my memory. Strangely, it's an though, ITV as well, wasn't it? From, yeah, exactly. You got the round before that. We need. We got shaken up a little bit by having on <laughs> Louisville. Yeah, that was that was that would but have the been several ones. No, that you, you you're beating me to it because then the round before that we got shook up by Sorry. Luton, and the, <laughs> so we were we started losing against Luton, came back and won that. Started losing against having Water Louisville, came back and won that, and then. Uh, yeah, eventually we got embarrassed by Barnsley. Who who was managing Luton that day? Was it am I was it someone significant or am I dreaming that up? Mm. I'm thinking of a Welsh manager and I can't put the face uh, to the name. I'm not sure a Welsh manager might narrow that down, but I'll be ringing a bell clear. No, I've just got Mark Hughes in my head now. <laughs> Do you manage Swansea, this bloke I'm thinking of? I'm thinking of Chris Coleman, so it's definitely not him. That's the face <laughs> I was thinking of. It wasn't Chris Coleman at Luton, I'm pretty sure. No, he has done quite a tour of some random teams, but I don't think Luton are one of them. I'm seeing... Is it Mike Newell? It could be. Anyway, that's just a bit of a side note. I'll just add a face on my head. But yeah, carry on. Sorry. 
yeah, so it was a it was a year of near misses essentially, and eventually went down to Barnsley, uh, probably over to Jack, I imagine. <laughs> well, yeah, funny you should say that because <laughs> this is the one that sticks in my mind the most because obviously at this point Chelsea were the reigning FA Cup champions, seemingly going to walk our way into the semi final, and um, I remember watching it rounds. I think it went like a girlfriend's house in 2008. <laughs> and we were like, it must have been quite young then. It was about like 13, 14. And I don't think she'd ever seen anyone watch football before, especially not watched anyone care about football as much as I cared about Chelsea Barnes <laughs> that day. And I was going mental. And I was supposed to be like, obviously spending time with her. And this is why it sticks in the mind so much because it was ODJ that scored against us. Yeah. Yeah. And he, this couple of seasons before, on FIFA 2005, I'd started a Cheltenham Town manager mode. Obviously, he played for <laughs> Cheltenham Town at that time. So he was a player that was known to me. And I saw he was on the bench. And I was like, if he comes on, he's scoring. It, like, 14-year-old me, I had this, such a switched-on <laughs> head about Chelsea that knew at that point, drilled into me from probably my, my dad or something like that, where if, if there's someone you know on that bench, he's probably going to score against you. <laughs> Lo and behold, comes off the pitch. Especially when it's an absolute unit of a bloke of a cross cut. Yeah, exactly. Comes on the pitch and buries a goal. And I think that was the first time that they reached the semi finals since 1912. I mean, it was rough for both when you consider they beat Liverpool, beat Chelsea, and then lose to Cardiff in the semi <laughs> Championship <laughs> Cardiff at the time. And ODJ misses an absolute sitter to cost them as well. Exactly. Yes. How things turn around for you. But yeah, Habits probably, and Werner are both starting, by the way, Jack. I, I saw that. It's interesting to see what formation it's going to be because they've got what looks like Werner up top with Habits and Mount on the on wing. The yeah, they've got Mount um, and Habits on the wings by the looks of it. So uh, I, I took I took two down. I've maybe been a bit greedy there, but I wanted to s- stick with the FA Cup, assuming what you two would do, and I thought one was a lot more obvious. Um, stick with the FA Cup, I mean... Arsenal nil, Blackburn won FA Cup fifth round 2013 was uh, the first one that I could think of. Um, months after crashing out of the League Cup to Bradford, seemingly an easy FA Cup tie at home. Wenger had never lost to lower league opposition in the FA Cup. Jovino misses a sitter while through on goal alone in the first half, which <laughs> you can rinse and repeat for about another two years after that. And then Colin Kazim Richards, of all people, scores a late win for Arias. Um, to put some context to it, I actually left work earlier that day because I had the shits. So <laughs> I remember being working on the till and that moment where you feel like a little bubble in your stomach and you feel, oh boy, <laughs> this, this, you shouldn't <laughs> risk a fart here. <laughs> um, went off the till, had to have the awkward uh, chat out of manager like, look, I don't think I can be staying here. Took myself home. It was a three o'clock kickoff, so I found a stream. Yeah, I need to see that. And much like you said there, one of the few names I recognised was Colin Kazim Richards, and I thought, I know exactly what's happening here. <laughs> the other one which probably jumps out is uh, Birmingham 2, Arsenal 1 in the League Cup final 2011. Yeah. Not your standard cup set with it being in the final, but um, this was supposed to be the day we ended our trophy drought after however many, after six years. Um about a fortnight before, we'd just beaten Barcelona in the Champions League final. In the final, crikey. 
<laughs> just beating Chelsea, uh, Barca in the Champions League. Um, this was one of my favourite groups of players we've had, as I said when we uh, did our transfer roundup. Um, calamity at the end between Sir Chesney and uh, Koscielny. Heartbreak returns. There we go. Do do any others jump out to you? I know the Barnsley one was was quite an obvious one. Are there any others that jumped out to you when uh, you were kind of having to think for this? I I find it weird because all of the cup runs that we've had... Oh, how have I forgot Chelsea losing to Bradford? What, Jose Mourinho's Chelsea losing to Bradford, is it? Is it Victory Parade, their uh, their ground? Yeah. Yeah. the one where... Oh, Valley Parade. Valley Parade, that was it. And basically, it wasn't televised, that game. And Didn't they batter you, if the game I'm thinking of? The City went out on the same day. Yeah, so, if I remember rightly, we went 1-0 up. And it was like, everyone just thought, oh yeah, non-televised Chelsea game against Bradford away, they're going to win. And then the next thing we know, just keep getting goal alerts. I think it goes... <laughs> I think it was like 3-1 in the end. I'll have to Google it to make yeah, sure. No, that sounds right to me. But I we think we lost 3-1. It was the year that it looked like it was going to be Arsenal-Liverpool in the final for Gerrard's last game. 4-2 Grealish sorry. And then Grealish and Villa step in to <laughs> make sure Arsenal get an easier run in the final. So yeah, actually going back to that, which makes it worse, we were 2-0 up <laughs> at home to Bradford City, not away. And then they come back to win 4-2 at Stamford Bridge. Yeah, whoever City had the same day, they lost as well. Because I remember just the highlight show being absolutely mental. It was just a mental... I think another Premier League team went out. It's probably a championship team. Probably someone like Stoke or someone like that. But yeah, it was a good day that for... If you weren't a fan of those teams. Hmm. Um, I thought of... Champions League, which for me to say a cup set for Arsenal in the Champions League is uh, pretty baffling in itself. But I just remember us drawing Monaco and everyone celebrating like we were just going to be through to the next round as a guarantee. Obviously, Berbatov and the other boys had something to say about that. So <laughs> didn't quite go to plan. Any others for you, TK, before we move on to our final little segment? Uh, I remember we lost to Burnley where the, the Jimmy Triorio and goal occurred. That was pretty humiliating. <laughs> And, and then I remember a few years ago we got bullied by Oldham and lost. Um, I remember that um, Matt Smith, who all the local papers around here suddenly claimed that Cheltenham's Matt Smith, despite the fact that Cheltenham Town is a club, let him go when he was a kid and he had played for the club. He was like, oh, Cheltenham's Matt Smith, dumped him full out of the cup last night. We are never far Matt Smith like, Arsenal, man. When Eric Dyer, um, <laughs> yeah. Eric Dyer scores, Cheltenham's Eric Dyer, so that is yeah. a very loose claim you've got there. So those ones were rough to take as well. That was kind of the nearly the death of Martin Skirtle back because he got bullied <laughs> to the point where they made us sign Kyriakos. <laughs> I think the first cup set I remember being explained to me was Arsenal going out of the cup to Wrexham in what, what, 92 or 94. But it always mm. holds significance to me because on one of the many times I've taken my driving test, I remember sitting in the car <laughs> and this guy saying... Uh, that he was a Wrexham fan. And I tried doing like Mark and Peepshaw where he sees his first fan. He's all, those chairs at the old White Hart ground, not very comfy, are they, trying to charm him? And I brought up <laughs> Arsenal losing to Wrexham. Didn't work, obviously. So uh, <laughs> my grand scheming plan probably distracted me and caused me to fail somewhere else. Um, I, don't, I don't know why that, whenever cut upsets get mentioned, bear in mind we've just mentioned some big ones there and you've got other yeah. big ones. I remember like, 
United getting dicked by MK Dons recently, for example. United Leeds was one of the mm. big ones as well. But like that Hereford one against Newcastle from like the seventies is yeah. always the one that brings up Ronnie Radford. I don't know why that became the the staple, cup <laughs> yeah. but it's still there now. Literally, it's <laughs> the one yardstick that everyone uses. Yeah. It's fucking insane. Everton went out to Shrewsbury in like twenty eleven. Oh, that's that's Everton, isn't it? People kind of take now if it's the League Cup. People have got to the point where. They don't really make a meal of them anymore, which is a shame. Yeah, I agree, actually. A cup upset because doesn't seem to mean as much as it wants to. Spurs have had a couple of stinkers in the League Cup where they've gone out on penalties to someone like Colchester or someone like that. Mm. Even in Colchester this year. But they've gone out to some uh, stinkers there. But then I remember Arsenal and Bradford, just that time in particular, Arsenal were the banter club, so <laughs> us losing to Bradford, Javinho <laughs> missing from on the line was a big one. So And obviously they beat Chelsea, I think a couple of years before, which Jack referenced. Um, the last thing then for us to go through, so referee Chris Fione made a huge mistake on Saturday as he ruled what would have been a fight-ending body shot by Mike Rodriguez to instead be a groin shot. Um, to anyone watching, it was mental that the ref could have missed it. I, of course, had a bet on Mike Rodriguez by a knockout, so that explained <laughs> it. Ed Herman then gets, must have been about six or seven minutes to recover. Um, and he Rodriguez knocks him down again whether you're screaming for the ref to stop it he just about survives to the point where Rodriguez burns himself out and then he puts a Kimura on him from the bottom <laughs> in the last round to win Jesus. so um, when Dan White said he'd pay Rodriguez his win money regardless probably shows you how egregious it was he said it's the worst call he'd ever seen <laughs> so here I thought we could discuss some of some other refereeing blunders that spring to mind. So not the type where I think Jack asked about Chelsea Barca, but not not ones where it's like this player, unless it's really really bad, should have been given a second yellow and he wasn't. But more like the first one I have down, Lampard's goal that wasn't against Germany. Yeah, where I still think some people have turned that so that we really would have gone on smashed <laughs> yeah, them. Well, yeah. But the, the thing is, we really I know it would have made it 2-2. Yeah, I get um, that, Jab, but that Germany team and that England team. Yeah, yeah I know. I, I get it. But at the same time, the momentum shift in the game was so pivotal. Matthew Upson's just scored with his face. And then <laughs> you've got essentially building pressure. Lampard chips the keeper from like 25 <laughs> yards and then everyone can see that it's in apart from the ref Lampard had another against Spurs didn't he that wasn't given but uh, I believe I it was really... given I think it's a long range shot Radio Gomez and it go through his legs <laughs> and he gathered it and it actually wasn't a goal but was given as a goal um, one to go back to I took down which kind of doesn't quite go with what I've said there, but you'll remember it as being a howler. And that was um, Howard Webb awarding Michael Carrick a penalty against Tottenham. Tottenham had the 2-0 lead at half-time. The title race was about to be blown open between what Chelsea and Liverpool as well. In steps Howard Webb, both replayed photos, and anyone watching showed that Gomez had in fact got his fingertips on the ball before Carrick went down referee didn't think that was the point and much like the England game because United then went on to score another four after it was deemed to be inconsequential but it, it that one ultimately did 
turned the game completely on its head. Spurs have bottled a lead as as they do, and they crumbled after that. But I remember watching that on a Saturday. It must have been Satanta Sports, 5.30 games. So I remember that being an absolute howler. And what you used to expect from United, where they just wouldn't go down. Yeah, back in the day, anyway. I, I think had, the, another another United one that sticks in my mind is the Roy Carroll again against Spurs. Yeah. So Pedro Mendes has like nailed it from almost the halfway line. Roy yeah, Carroll's, yeah. Roy Carroll's yeah, I've got another missed, mention of him yeah. later on. Halfway in the goal. <laughs> Roy Carroll's completely misjudged it and then tried to catch it, spilled it into his own net and then dives backwards, hooks it out and the ref doesn't give it. I think that's 2005. And again, I think... May not go on to beat Spurs. It goes against what I said at the start, but I thought it was worth pointing out Again. because it was a mental one. Yeah, but <laughs> if you remember, <laughs> just when you think, say Pedro Mendes, so Ben Thatcher, yeah, blatantly elbowing him, knocking him unconscious for like eight minutes. <laughs> yeah, and he gave him a, and he gave him a booking. <laughs> well, so go- that was one where kind of does stand out against the, that was a bad tackle he should have been sent off rather than a fully fledged back elbow that slumps well, him into the ground again Howard Webb FA Cup it was Dermot Gallagher that one no I'm, no we're going back to oh. Howard Webb for the De Jong absolute karate yeah. studs in the chest of Xabi Alonso in an FA Cup final no less FA Cup final World Cup final World Cup yeah mm. so Howard Webb's got a lot to answer for by the looks of it. I think if I if no one's going to say it, I'm going to say it. Graham Pohl, three yellow cards in a yeah. World Cup match. That must be like the sort of thing the referees have nightmares about. They must yeah. not get a bit like, oh, I can't believe I've, what I've you done that. What are you written down in his before then? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. What is that book for? What's he writing down? And it's, um, it was just amazing because oh, he was off here. And I just love it that he was he knew the mistake that he'd made. And he was going to get him on another yellow if it killed him. <laughs> so he could try and rectify his mistake as quickly as possible as well. And if you've been given two yellow cards, why are you then committing another yellow card offence foul? <laughs> like, don't, don't You're you playing for house money at that point. Yeah, I know. You just think, I've gotten away with one here. See enough how you can time. push it. <laughs> exactly. And as well, don't you think it's right at the end of the game? Do you think in his head he's thinking, Am I still getting banned for the next game now? So <laughs> just count as in two yellows. I had another World Cup one, and that was um, when Brazil played Turkey in 2002. Um, Hakan South gently kicks the ball towards Rivaldo so he could put the ball back in play. Hits Ronaldo in the thigh. He goes down like he's been shot, clutching his face. Linesman is right there. Could have told the ref that Rivaldo was performing one of the worst dives in football history yeah. but he stays silent and instead watches as he issues a red card I think I've said on the pod before that seemed to recreate the uh, the opinion on diving as well that seemed to be the staple sort of dive that seemed to be where it all stemmed from where <laughs> diving became an active thing until Eduardo did one against Celtic yeah that was odd the, the traction that that got Omri's handball that sends France to the World Cup against Ireland yeah, yeah. I think um I honestly think the worst season I've ever seen is... Do you remember the ghost goal of Watford-Reading? I saw is, this earlier while I was is, taking my notes. Is this where... This was is, the thing I first thought of when you put this segment in, where he's put it a good, a good couple of yards wide. It's not like it's 
bulged the side netting or something a good couple of yards <laughs> wide and the liner was giving it as a goal <laughs> and the ref just had to go with it. <laughs> I think it was Stuart Atwell as well, I think. So he, he was kind of dogged with that for the first part of his career. There's a similar one. I can't remember the team, but I saw it the other day where it was almost the exact opposite where the ball's been struck and it was one of those old, you know, like the high-ended nets where it's got like a triangle stanchion. Yeah. It's not quite a square. So it's... Hit been hit so hard, it's bowled to the net and hit the advertising board behind the goal and comes flying straight back out again. Uh-huh. And the ref doesn't give it as a goal. And everyone's seen that it's literally gone in, hit the board and yeah. come back out again. Jesus. Andre Mariner, Chelsea Arsenal 2014, where he sends off um, Kieran Gibbs instead of Alex <laughs> Oxlade-Chamber. That is not a good look, that. The thing is, though... You Killed would the game give, for us as well. You'd rather <laughs> Gibbs... Be sent off at that point. No, we wouldn't. <laughs> Is that not the game you lost six was an attacking now? left back. Yeah, because he killed the game. <laughs> was that not for... Th- that was for 3-0 as well. Just I'm pretty sure Arsenal asked afterwards that the game should be um, either replayed or kind of uh, voided because of that. I'm he sure also have to try in their shoes. But... <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah nice that, was, that was rough. Um, I remember... I think I had two bets go wrong in that game where I tried giving myself something to um, go for. I think at halftime we were in battle. I put money on both teams to score. This one just turned 18 and you could do better than anything more than more than now. And I even, then I think I bet on Chelsea to score a seventh and they did me there by not scoring one of them. <laughs> so I was done at all, 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 all points there. Mo Salah announcing himself to the Premier League stage yeah. by getting his goal for Chelsea. The Hand of God goal is obviously another one, but but before our time. Yeah. Well, you, Any, you genuinely can't understand that people didn't get that. Just Yeah. Any more for any more? I, I will say I nearly saw a horrendous one live. I went to a Cheltenham game and the, start, the second half started and the opposition goalie wasn't yet out. Literally, the entire <laughs> team was there. He wasn't yet out. Bear in mind, the rest normally says to do the, you know, the whistle, check the goalies, whatever. Obviously, didn't bother with that. And then you, even, I don't know if no one realised or what. I think they'd had the ball, so it wasn't like when Chandler realised. And the keeper comes storming out, looking fuming, sprinting onto the pitch. <laughs> I mean, that would have been one of those straight to uh, straight to DVD moments of how yeah. if we'd pick yeah. it from halfway. But, uh, At a time where we did literally used to get DVDs on howlers in the game. It was, I, wasn't it? Like a goals and gaffs DVD. Yeah. I, so I, used, to, I used to love goals and gaffs. It was goals a classic thing. And then I remember David Seaman brought out David Seaman's goalkeeper nightmares. Yes. And he's the most boring bloke <laughs> ever. He shouldn't have been nowhere near presenting a DVD. <laughs> and I actually stumbled across it the other day because I'm obviously moving into the house and putting stuff in the attic, going through all my old stuff with my parents. I have the DVD of just the Ronaldinho goal. <laughs> I'm like, why have you done this? It's a bit depressive for Dave. Just yeah. going over his worst moment of his life. He's got it on replay in his house, refusing <laughs> to get over it. We call that a day now. So thanks again for listening to another edition of the Spitballing Pod. Alex didn't get to join us, so maybe we'll have an update next week as to what he's been up to, or if Spurs lose, maybe not. Thanks again. We're back. Goodbye.